Friendship power flop. Friendship power flop. Let's go shonen flop. Let's go shonen flop. Welcome to this episode of Shonen Flop, where we talk about manga series and shonen jump that didn't make it big. I'm David. I'm Jordan. And this week, we're talking about Barrage, and we're joined by our guest today, Dan. Hey, how's it going? How are you doing today, Dan? Oh, you know, just a Monday and uh, in December and just having a good time. Well, you're lucky that you're in Tennessee, aren't you? Yes, I am. You don't have to deal with this snow, man. Yeah, this snow looks crazy back home. What I'm seeing, it's I, I don't I don't miss it. <laughs> snow is nice, like you know, playing, but like we just get shitty weather with no advantage. <laughs> You do get to share a state with Dolly Parton, though, so I feel like that's the real benefit. Not only share a state, but a city. <laughs> oh, shit. Ooh. <laughs> she actually has a compound right near where I used to live, like a recording compound. So what you're saying is we should just see if we can get Dolly Parton on the show next. I hear she's a huge manga fan. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. I remember we were going to do this music manga called Alice to Tarot, and then we found out that like people gave up translating after like six chapters. Why is that? People were like, this is really boring, and they just stopped translating it. Oh, jeez. <laughs> But it had really pretty art. That was for Tom, who was also a musician. And I was like, hey, we got to switch series because this didn't get fully translated. And he's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the price of reading things in Japanese. This is a problem we run into frequently because unfortunately, if something doesn't get popular, no one gives a shit enough to translate it. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. We have the annals of manga that people want us to cover that we just can't. Like, we'll look at like the old material from like a famous writer and be like, yeah, so he made this like weird, obscure thing in like 1986, but no one ever translated it. So we can't talk about it. Like the dude who did Yu Yu Show created like this romance series that he really hated and like he wishes no one would talk about. And we're like, oh, we got to cover that. But no one ever translated it besides like the first like eight chapters. Yep. It's a struggle, man. Struggle. But we're, but hey, good news is Shonen Jump is always canceling new manga. They are, they are. And though, speaking of chapter count, why don't we dive into the manga details? So really getting into the details, this series actually is kind of interesting, and I'm sure Jordan will talk about it in his plot summary. This series has about three different names that it can be translated as. The, I would say, proper name, the birth certificate name is Barrage, but it can also be translated as Barge, and perhaps most interestingly, it can be just called Bulge, which was the translation. <laughs> I read. That's a translation I choose to ascribe to, personally. That's canonical, actually. They retconned it. <laughs> See, it would have really made it big if it was known as Bulge. <laughs> right. I think that's actually possibly very true with American audiences, at least. Yeah. The name of the Rule 34 subreddit for that manga just... I don't even know what they would call it. Double Bulge. Double Bulge. Oh, my God. Did you know that the Rule 34 for Chainsaw Man is called Bonesaw Man? <laughs> oh, jeez. Dan, are you familiar with what Rule 34 is? No, I don't know what that is. Oh, wow. It's a rule of the internet saying if it exists, there is pornography of it. Oh, okay. I didn't know it was called Rule 34. I definitely <laughs> know that rule for sure. Dan's like, oh, shit, that, that changes everything. I got to remember that one when I'm Googling. But yeah, it's like that thing you've known your whole life and finally like, oh, it's that's what it is. Yeah, it's one of those things you don't have to have anybody tell you. You just kind of pick up mm -hmm. on it. Tabula rasa, you know, we're born without sin, but we also have this driving urge to make pornography of literally anything physically possible. Right. It's just a natural, uh, natural human animalistic instinct. Yeah. I'm not saying don't send us barrage porn, but don't send us barrage porn. I'm good, personally. Now, bulge porn. Yes. There's a difference. <laughs> 
the bigger the bulge, the better, as my grandma used to say. Okay, nice to know, David. Getting back into it, and I think, you guys, why don't we just call it Barrage, since that's literally, like, what the name of the Wikipedia page is? So this series, though, was created by Hirokoshi Koye, who created a series called Japanese Word Zoo, and a little-known series, My Hero Academia. A little-known series. It's only one of the literally most popular anime in the entire world, or something, you know? I don't read it or watch it, but even I know what it is. Yeah. Dan's a bit not of a manga reader like us, but he is a huge comic book fan, so that's why we thought it'd be perfect to talk about and see if he thinks there is some more like American comic book influence in this series as well, much like how My Hero Academia obviously is very inspired by Marvel DC. But definitely we'll get into that as we discuss the series further. And then in terms of run dates, I apparently forgot to put that in my notes, so we're going to look that up right now. We fucked up. Podcast over. I'm never working with you again, Dan. David. <laughs> so unprofessional. I know, dude, this fuck this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so so the barrage ran from May 21st, 2012 to September 10th, 2012. And surprise, surprise, it was only 16 chapters with two volumes, making it, I think, one more chapter than the shortest series we've ever read, where I think Golem Hearts was 15 chapters. Was that a bad series too? <laughs> uh we covered it on the show. <laughs> <laughs> and it was not great. And then, Dan, for context, the average manga series that does well, I would say, is probably in the two to 300 chapter range. So to be 16 chapters means you essentially were put under consideration for cancellation as soon as possible because the first eight chapters of a series, they don't know how it's performing, like relatively speaking. And that's when they really start to get metrics and say, we need to wrap this up. And then they get three chapters to finish the story. So yeah, the dude pretty much was like, hey, we got your poll results. Yeah, you're going to get canceled. So you should probably end your series yeah <laughs> and you can tell i can very much tell probably won't shock you to learn that this is a common problem we run into a lot on this show i mean to do all the good mangas too that's a lot of reading beforehand <laughs> oh yeah we uh just covered a personal favorite chainsaw man and that actually just ran for 97 chapters and they're doing a part two which is awesome it's been a running joke on here that uh or at least between us that david's just like hey bleach was canceled we'll do bleach <laughs> just like 500 chapters fuck you yeah <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Dave's probably read them all already, so. Oh, yeah. I mean, I read most of it. Like, when I was a kid, I just don't want to read it again. It's not that great. <laughs> so, I actually never finished Bleach. Oh. Yeah, neither did I, because it starts to get really shitty. After yeah, so Dan, point. Bleach is like, it ran for like 10 years, but the last like five years of it, the dude just was like, fuck it. He just wasn't very creative, and he kind of ended it, and then was like, I'm gonna keep going. And so, I just stopped reading there. I was like, hey, look at that. What a great, perfect ending. <laughs> but speaking of plots, why don't we actually get into the About the Mango, where Jordan has his awesome plot summary that he's gonna read for us. Jordan, take it away. 50 years ago, Planet Industria opened its borders to galactic commerce which created an influx of aliens, leading to the current period of war between planets. In the capital city, Astro, a poor boy who is, for some reason, obsessed with the sanctity of family, takes care of his family of street children. After getting fired for standing up to an alien that was attacking his shitty asshole boss, Prince Barrage, or Bulge if you're nasty, appears. Surprisingly, Astro and the Prince look exactly alike, so they change places, with Barrage giving Astro the Org, an incredibly powerful magic 
artifact that signifies its owner as the next ruler. Prince Bulge is then immediately shot and killed by an unnamed sniper, and Astro is mistakenly dragged to the castle in his place, where he is grounded by the incredibly powerful soldier Lieutenant Tiamat, until an alien attacks and the org turns into a powerful spear that allows Astro to save the day. Astro reveals to the king and Tiamat that he isn't the real prince, but since the org chose him, the king asks Astro to bring peace to the planet in exchange for taking care of Astro's kids. Astro and Tiamat then go on a journey, possibly to the west, <laughs> to defeat various aliens, including John Candy, a brutal <laughs> alien bandit who controls a nearby town, and his boss, Dead Rock, a giant rock alien with detachable limbs, who forces female bandits to find powerful soldiers for his army. En route to the city of... <sighs> God, it's another French name. En route to the city of Messia. Sure. I I guess French, whatever. Astro and Tiamat see a frog alien named Tadpole. Wait, there's a frog alien that lives in the French city? Oh, god damn it. I just realized that. (laughs) Anyway, he's being chased by a girl named Tico holding a bazooka while riding Mira, a motherfucking space whale. That was the coolest part, I thought. Absolutely. Space whale fucking rules. After Tad gets away, Tico engages in good praxis by firing a missile at Tiamat and Astro because fuck the military. It turns out that years ago, aliens took over Messiah and its military and have been sending false reports to the kingdom ever since. After meeting Tico's foster dad, Astro suddenly reveals that he once had a foster dad too, a horned alien named Black, who taught him how to raise kids before leaving suddenly. Tadpole breaks into Tico's home and kills her dad, revealing that he He's powered by a new thing called dark energy. But thankfully, the org turns into a cool sword and they win. <laughs> At this point, we learn that the mastermind behind the entire series was actually Black, Astro's dad figure, who swapped Prince Barrage at birth with a dark energy dummy because it turns out that Astro was the real prince all along. Can you fucking believe it? <laughs> what an absolute twist. Shocker. With Tiamat's help, Astro is able to make the org look even cooler than before and they defeat Black, taking him and seeing seemingly all the aliens in town to the capital city in the space whale's mouth to be tried. Astro stops Tiamat from revealing that Astro is actually the king's biological son, because he maintains that Barrage is still the king's real son, and it ends with them resolving to finally bring peace to the planet. That was way better than what I actually read, you just said. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I really like Jordan's version of the Prince Bulge. <laughs> you said that the, like, the bandit they beat up, his name is John Canty. Yeah, but you said John Candy. I was like, what? Yeah, intentionally. Fucking Uncle Buck showing up. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a weird moment. I feel like it has to be intentional because like this weird looking alien shows up. He's like all mean and like gross looking and stuff. And he's like, I'm the leader of the Canty bandits. Yeah. John Canty. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, it was so stupid. It was. Yeah, I love how they really they just straight up had the same plot twice with the bandits. Well, you beat the bandit once, and then you gotta go fight his boss who's doing the same thing that he is. It's a natural escalation of plot, David. It just makes sense. It's just bandits all the way down. You just do the same thing, but more hardcore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, fucking rock guy. <laughs> rock guy rules. His name's Dead Rock. What do we call an evil rock alien? Uh, Dead Rock. Duh. He's friends with Taserface from Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> or did you guys ever watch Galaxy Quest? Do you remember uh, that rock thing? That's- 
Oh, yes. You're like unlocking ancient memories that I had once thought were lost. I just rewatched that over Thanksgiving. Such a classic. Dude, Dan's got like the vault of like American movies in his head. I think you had like over like 100 DVDs or something crazy like that when I went to your house. Way more than that. Oh, wow. Old school. Still got the physical media. Hell yeah. You're going to survive the cyberpocalypse. That's the goal. Oh, is that what they called when Cyberpunk came out? It was a huge fucking disaster. (laughs) Everyone had to get their money back. Actually, I believe the cyberpocalypse is what started the events of Barkley Shut Up and Jam Gaiden, but that's another story. I thought that was the dunk. The chaos dunk caused the uh, post-cyberpocalypse. Oh, yes. Come on. Dan, are you f- are you familiar with this piece of uh, literature? No. I don't know. <laughs> Perhaps one of the best games of all time. Oh, wait. William Gibson. William Gibson, right? <laughs> cyberpunk? Isn't that a book that was like... It is, but this is... So this is like in a cyberpunk setting. This is a game called Charles Barkley, Shut Up and Jam, Gaiden, The Ball and the Hoop Saga, which I, I said that by memory, so I wonder actually how close I was to getting the, t- the name of it. You almost did. It's the Hoops Barkley Saga. This is nothing. <laughs> Yeah, so someone made like a fantasy sci-fi sequel to a Charles Barkley basketball game set in the future where basket... Is that the sequel to Space Jam or something too? Well, actually, yes, it is canon. It opens it up by saying this game is canon. It is canon to Space Jam, Kazam starring Shaquille O'Neal. Wow. Joanna Man. Joanna Man, yes. Very problematic movie that can never be made today. Yeah. What was the Shaq movie? I don't know if I've seen that one. Shaq's a genie. Oh, Kazam, duh. I, yeah, I've never seen it, but I know that one. You don't need to see it. You know, just take it from me. You can you can kind of skip that one. We should do that for the next shitty movie night. Hell yeah. So, though, to get into the characters, why don't we start with talking about Astro the Destitute, which is such like a <laughs> dis- insulting name for like a 14-year-old. Yeah, jeez. I think this goes to the problems of, of, you know, we talked about the translation issues. Part of the thing that really made it not land for me was how the word choice just for a lot of things. It's just like not what you want to call the hero. Yeah. Dan, do you mind just going into a bit about Astro and your thoughts on him? He reminded me of a mix of a, a number of different characters. Obviously, you know, there's a Prince and a Pauper vibe because, you know, switching places. Because it's literally the plot of Prince and a Pauper. Yeah. Literally. He also kind of had a Peter Panish thing going on to him for some reason. Like, the Lost Boys and Lost Kids kind of seemed like his family. Like, they were just kind of, he was taking care of them. He also kind of reminded me of a young Goku for some reason. Oh, yeah. There's a connection there that I'm going to get into later. Yeah, just spoilers. So Jordan thinks this is very Journey to the West, which is also what Dragon Ball was based on, Dan. So you are very right on the money with that. Right. That makes sense, you know. But uh, no, I mean, I thought, and again, this might just be the translation, but there's admirable qualities and he really cares about family. But like his motivation still, like his reaction seemed a bit extreme to things. His thought process didn't really seem super well thought out. I get that he was like an orphan kid and stuff like that. Although obviously, we know, he turns out to be be the actual prince. But I just wasn't super compelled by any time like he was in a moral dilemma or he was like stressed about like family like the whole like Tiamat saying like you got to care about yourself versus your family and I'm just like it just I don't know it didn't really do it that's a good point especially because his connection to family is so weird yeah it's like he just loves the concept of family then the whole thing with black it's like okay so this guy taught him about family but then ditched so actually like taught him a bad lesson about family yeah he didn't even really teach him like a lesson about family he taught him how to get a job Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's what he taught him yeah he's like he was the spirit of capitalism saying hey if you don't want to be poor get a job an unemployment officer saying okay kid you should get a job (laughs) 
That's kind of the vibe you get because, especially because Black wears like a beige raincoat looking like an undercover cop almost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then speaking of cops, I really love how like with the Prince Bulging, the cop like shoots him and then they just don't care because they're like, oh, we killed a poor person, whatever. And I was like, what are the fucking implications? Like this is like 10 years ahead of time because I think or like six or seven years ahead of time. I was like, holy shit. They're literally like, yeah, we don't care. Cops kill poor people in this manga. Yeah. That's actually a big issue I have with this manga is that like the military and the king kingdom and stuff are blatantly not good. Right. I don't think there's any good guys in this, personally. I get the sense that the manga wants you to think they're good, though. Right. It doesn't delve into those questions. It would be one thing if it was like, oh, the king is also not good, but, like, you know, that's the point. But I don't think that's the point. Mm-hmm. So we just talked about Astro, maybe Tiamat now. You want one of you want to take Tiamat? Absolutely. So he is the vice captain of the police unit. He is trying to find Prince Bulge. He is terrible around women. I didn't really get that women thing. That was also super confusing. Was it supposed to be he's like shy because he like, but I don't know. That's kind of an anime trope that I see, that we see a lot. It's it's always like a little weird. It, it feels like, um you know, like an elementary school crush. Right. It was definitely painted that way. It's like, girl. it's like, I'm a big badass military officer, but the second there's a girl around, it's like, Ugh. yeah, he just gets like nervous. It definitely doesn't feel like, oh, I hate women. Oh, you're so dumb. No, no, no. It's definitely like a weird, like love shy thing. Right. Yeah. But then there's some weird moments, which we'll talk about where a lot of the violence is just super cavalier. When they rescued the women from the rock, from dead rock. <laughs> I'm just imagining like Dwayne, the rock Johnson. <laughs> One of the husbands that they like gave away was like, you know, I really wanted to beat the shit out of you, but I see that you just fought and how much you cared. So we're good. We're good now. Let's just be glad we're alive. I'm like, what? I don't think that phrasing was in my translation. (laughs) (laughs) I would have remembered that. (laughs) Speaking, though, of women, Jordan, do you want to talk about Tico a little bit? Tico rules. She's the best character by far. Rebels against uh, the aliens that have invaded her town. She fights against the military. She has great praxis. She believes in direct action. She carries a bazooka and rides a fucking space whale. And that shit kicks ass. It's very ang of her to ride like a cool ass animal. Yeah, space whales, man. Yeah, I do think also like an important thing that like we kind of touched on is she was raised by foster parents, but in an alien attack, her mother was killed. Yeah, see, her motivations with family make sense. Yeah, I notice sometimes in these manga, about halfway through, you start to see the beginnings of, oh, see, if you had started there Mm -hmm. with that character Mm -hmm. in that situation, it wouldn't be a lot better. Right. And Tico is absolutely an example of that. Mm -hmm. Also, her name kept making me think of Rose Tycho from Star Wars for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) Jordan, are you calling her the Sora of this series? No, because I don't hate the other characters. Dan, Sora is a term we use for when a series has like one character that's substantially more interesting than all the other characters. Right. It originated from Beast Children, where there was one character that wasn't like a complete like shit stain of a character, and he was like the C minus in the sea of failures. And his name was Sora. Yeah. Because the thing is here, it's like, I do genuinely enjoy when like Tiamat and Astro interact. I think they have a good chemistry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just like, there's a lot of stupidity in this manga. Their dynamic wasn't terrible. It definitely had that feeling of uh, the straight character, like, as they say, the straight man in the act, which is a weird term nowadays, but that's what it was. (laughs) 
you know, the mentor who's like, oh, yeah, like, uh, this is bullshit. Like, I work alone or like, I'm one of those cops that like, I don't need a partner. And then, and then, uh, you know, Astro comes along. He's like the buddy cop thing kind of, you know? Yeah. It's a very like big brother, like little brother kind of thing. Yeah, definitely big brother for sure. Even when we first meet Tiamat, the first thing he does is straight up ground Astro. <laughs> he just says, go to your room. Like, it kind of rules. But the other thing with Tiamat that makes his character more confusing is um, there's a scene, like the first time we meet him, there's an alien who's like, don't you see who that guy is? That's Tiamat. Right. He's so powerful. Even though we have higher numbers, if we just fought him, then we would get a standstill at best. And then the king proceeds to send him out of the capital. What? Yeah. If he's that powerful, then why is Astro the one doing all the heavy lifting with the org and all that stuff? He's got to learn to be a king. You genuinely get the sense that, like, even though they supposedly have a big military, there's only two viable soldiers in the entire military, and it's Tiamat and Bulge. Bulge. You see, like, the military doesn't do jack shit about these bandits, and these bandits cannot be too far from the capital. They seem to just make some references to how, like, oh, like, the kingdom is all stretched out and stuff, and they don't have a lot of resources. Dude, your palace looks amazing. It's immaculate. Clearly a lot of time, effort, and money goes into uh, maintaining it and building it. I think you have more resources than you want, than you admit, especially because we see military mm -hmm. throughout the whole series. They just don't do anything. Yeah. It's stupid. It's stupid. Yeah. Why don't we get into the why it failed right after we talk about the last, I think, notable character, which is Black, which we've already said a little bit about. Black is Astro's quote unquote father. He was like, hey, LPT, life pro tip, get a job if you don't want to be poor. Dabs and capitalism. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and then he's like super powerful. He's just this dark energy as we talked about. So he's kind of like the big bad of the series for some reason, even though it didn't really make a lot of sense. And so he was just like really hurt by like society. He's kind of the one who really kind of kidnapped Astro and made like a doppelganger of him. I actually liked his motivation. He wasn't a terrible m m main villain. I think it's just he suffered from everything else in the story. Bar. He was just totally underdeveloped and clearly rushed. Mm -hmm. The version I was reading had annotations at the end from the artist. I guess, you know, the creator, the, the famous guy who made My Hero Academia, everybody's favorite anime. Oh, he made that? That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, believe it or not, I just found that out actually just by Googling it. But um, so <laughs> he says when he's talking about Black, he's like, so these are horn demons. I could not find a place in the manga to actually talk about them. So let me just say, like, the horns change its shape based on, like, I guess his personality and the reason why his eyes turn black all of a sudden, because that's what happens when you see him again, his eyes are totally black and it's not explained. Mm -hmm. And in that annotation, the author is like, yeah, so that's that's because he used dark energy. I didn't have a place to put that. He's like, listen, guys, we got 20 pages to finish this shit. What, you just want me to just say it? What? Come on. Yeah. But yeah, the thing I like about Black is his motivation is that he was a soldier and he saw, like, you know, the whole war is hell thing. And then when Barrage was born, which is who Astro actually is, he heard the people around him saying, oh, this is great. This prince is going to grow up to be a powerful soldier and he's going to fight in the war. He's going to be a barrage of the warring planets. And Black thinks, that's fucking disgusting. You're going to raise this kid to fight in an army? Fuck that. But then he goes around uh, the world after doing that and experiences racism and then he turns evil. Yep. Racism is bad. Very, very hot take. Racism against aliens. Exactly. <laughs> well, the horned aliens specifically. We haven't mentioned it yet. This is a fully Jewish podcast right now. Huh? This is a podcast. 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 Yes. Hey, a, a podcast. Hey. 
Oh, jeez. But yeah, so we can all uh, relate to being horned aliens is basically my point. Right, right, right. I was going to say it was a very clear anti-Semitic allegory. Yeah, I got that too. Do they know about Jewish people in Japan? Well, you know, there's Jewish people in China. Like, Now, that's a different country, my guy. My little tip to you. I'm just saying in Asia, though, just the fact that there are Asian Jews by birthright. There are. I mean, Russia's right there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so as we can tell, as we've discussed, this series is a bit of a mess. It's making our conversation a mess. <laughs> yeah, that's very true, Dan. So why don't we take it to why it failed? Jordan is very much hyping about some of the thoughts he had on what it didn't do so well. He even shoved Dan out of line and said, hold on, buddy. You might be the famous guest, but this is my town and I'm talking (laughs) and no one gets to shit on this series before I do. So Jordan, take it away. Damn, David. Damn, man. Come on. You're a dick. You are what you eat, man. Wait. So, yeah. (laughs) Hold (laughs) up. Yeah, so the big issue with this series is that it's dumb. <laughs> There's so many ideas that are just, like, introduced and not expanded upon. Right. Why are the bad guys aliens? There's no reason. They could just be demons. They could just be other people. It doesn't matter. Yeah, well, well that's kind of the issue, because the only reason that I can see that they're aliens is to create an anti-immigration metaphor, because that's how it starts. It starts out by saying, we got invaded by uh, people from other planets because we decided to open our borders. Like, that's literally the first thing you see. Sounds like something Donald Trump would approve of. We're gonna build a space wall and make the aliens pay for it. Dude, I fucking wish they made a space wall. Then maybe there could be a reason why they're aliens. They don't do anything with it. The town isn't even, like, futuristic. There's, like, a laser here or there, but that doesn't... And the villages they go to are just, like, uh, way, way less interesting, way more, like, uh, just generic Japanese feudal village or something. And this actually has a a similar issue to Guardian of the Witch, which is another manga that we covered, Dan. Uh Uh-huh. The thing with Guardian of the Witch is the first chapter starts out by setting up this really cool little town, and then the next chapter they're like, okay, we're leaving the town now and going to way less interesting areas. And that exact thing happens here. I thought this was going to be like kind of like another fantasy Star Wars, which you feel like that for like the first chapter and then they just like ditch it. Yeah. And I was like, why are these aliens? These could have just been humans or as you said, more conventional monsters and not added like this weird like learning curve to understanding the series. I feel though the biggest issue I have and you talked about is the pacing is so disjointed, both from a structural perspective, but also from a like a moment to moment. Tonally everything. Yeah. Yeah. There are pages where I had to reread it because they just were cropping out things happening. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, I was like, what? (laughs) I've never read a manga that had so many like legitimate like pacing and continuity issues that were at like a per panel level. Yeah. I was just wondering if it was me because I don't read manga, but I'm glad to know that I'm not I'm not stupid. No, no, no. (laughs) Not for that reason. (laughs) Not for that reason. Right. Also, the villains suck. John Candy is, like, not a character. He's just, like, a big dumb oaf that they kill really quickly. And then Dead Rock, oh, he's just a big scary guy. And then Black, like, we get a little bit of this characterization. It's very, like, rushed. Yeah, I don't really understand what the point of introducing him was. I guess they just were, like, they needed some sort of finality to it. You mean, like, introducing him as the father figure? Well, the entire character, he just shows up so relatively speaking late into the series. It's like, what was the point? Yeah. I mean, it's the same in songwriting. When you're writing songs, like, they talk about, like, don't introduce, like, new characters too late in the song. It's going to confuse people. And, like, this is exactly what happened here. Yeah. 
It's not even just that it's confusing, it just feels underdeveloped, too. I mean, I was thinking about this earlier. I think there's, like, a couple possibilities here about what happened. Because the issue with introducing him is that Astro's conflict, like, his personal conflict for, like, the first, like, half of the manga is based on the fact that he did not have a family. He grew up with no family and built it on his own. And then just suddenly, he's just like, I had a dad once. (laughs) Yeah, like, what? For, like, a week, apparently? He was such a great dad, he just came in for a week and then left. That's kind of, like, really sad, actually. I know. If he was born in a different timeline, he would have been a level 3 Pokemon sub, no question. <laughs> Along with Timat. Absolutely. Timat definitely would have donated e-girl- monies to e-girls on Twitch. <laughs> oh, jeez. David, do you even know anything about the Babylonian chaos goddess known as Tiamat? Do you even know anything about that? It's appropriate as a dragon god in D&D. Hmm. Yeah, there's a bunch of ways to do it. Because hmm. it parallels with Baphomet. Baphomet, yeah. Yes. <laughs> ba- ba- Baham- Bahamut, excuse me. Bahumbug. Anyway, I can do the mythology etymology corner if you want, but it'll suck. So let's just keep going. Okay, so the last thing is just the series is really just nothing grabbed me. This was a slog. Yeah. I was like really just bored of reading this on like chapter six, where I was like, I would have a thousand percent dropped this so much faster if I didn't have to read this for this show, where we've had series that it was actually fun to read. Like, you know, Matsuma Security Busters was fun for the first like 25 or so chapters, but this was like, oh fuck, I really don't want to read this. Like that was such a long first chapter. I was like, is this what it's going to be like? I'm going to be, oh, this is not good. Dan, I really did try, like My Hero Academia is a very critically acclaimed, but you can clearly see this was where he probably got a lot of his kinks out. Well, listen, yeah. I mean, everyone's got to start somewhere. You know, it's, it's, that's how art works. So it happens. I think this just wasn't the right setting for him. Because mm-hmm. another thing is, uh, one of the great things about My Hero Academia is the first couple episodes, you follow the main character, Deku. He starts out, he has no superpowers. And everybody else in the world has superpowers but him. Uh, and he loves this guy, All Might, who's like basically Superman. And basically, Deku gets his ass kicked trying to save a friend of his. But All Might's just like, you tried to save him even though you're, f- you're total fucking weak scrub with no powers? Shit, man, here, have some superpowers. It's actually a very emotional moment because you feel really good for Deku because you know that he really wanted this. The thing with Astro is that you don't really get that. Like, you don't get that kind of conflict or resolution to it. There's no real big emotional moment where you're like, oh, Astro, I'm so happy for you. You did find your family. Oh. <laughs> Which is what it seems like it's building to, but it just never gets there. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure if they'd had more time, they, they might have, but... It's ironic, though, because you say if they had more time, but I feel like the series had filler. Right, there definitely was filler. There was that whole, like, chapter that was, like, three pages of, like, well, like a, almost like a side story or, like, what the equivalent of a uh, Pixar, like, short film before the movie would have been. It's like, here's what the kids were doing, and I didn't, it didn't even make any sense. The only nice part of it was the drawing of the lady and, you know, who was washing her hair, so... The actual art is nice. I mean, I'll get into what it did well, but I think he's very good at making manga. Well, I didn't say plotting manga, but... (laughs) Well, there is some plot. Um... Some finger quotes plot, if you know what I mean, thinking about, uh, Tico. Well, I forgot what it was. Titties. <laughs> Bazongas. Bazookas, yeah. I just remember my favorite is in Resident Evil 4, you have to rescue the president's daughter, and someone looks at her, like, boobs, and it's like, no one told me the president's daughter was equipped with ballistics. And that's been, <laughs> and that was the, my favorite way to refer to boobs ever. What the fuck? Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> 
I remember what I was going to say. Like, one of the issues with this, you guys were talking about the continuity. The continuity is such a big problem a couple times. There's one moment that sticks out for me. So they go to the first village and they beat John Candy. Uh, Chris Farley's already dead, so they don't have to worry about it. <laughs> Chris Farley. And then, like, I'm confused as to what happens next. Because the next thing we see is we see Astro and Tiamat at the palace getting, like, orders from the king and stuff. But it says before Astro and Tiamat went on the journey, like, mm-hmm. like supposedly this happened right before that. Because in the last chapter, it is them having gone on the journey. But they still treat it like, oh, we went on the journey came back and then left i genuinely don't know like where they are at that point it's very confusing there's no doubt about that so i think you guys have really brought up some really great points but why don't we now move to what it did well dan so what would you say is really kind of some of the elements that you thought were really strong in this series in particular (laughs) (laughs) Uh... jordan's just laughing at you I think what we already touched on a little bit, the art is nice. And I think it had the potential to sort of be iconic if, uh, art if the, if the story was, was of any substance and value. But alas, there was a cool thing. It kind of gave me some King Arthur vibes too, like with, with the, the org being sort of like the sword in the stone and like the worthy thing. It kind of mm. like some Green Lantern vibes too, like the worthiness and, and also like if it was a weapon that changed shape. I think it had the bones of becoming something great, like what we were talking about with Black. It could have been something much better than what it was, but it's just like they're clearly building trying to build like a rich deep lore and mythology in this world here and there just wasn't space to do that i would agree with that there are a lot of moments here that i think like on their own are nice i think there's a lot of great and enjoyable uh, character interaction between tiamat and astro i brought it up before but i do think that those are like some of the most fun moments one other thing that I will say, something else that I did super well, is space whales. Yes! <laughs> space whales rule! Space whales are awesome. A talking space whale, no less? Like, that feels like it deserves its own series, almost. Like Yeah. And it reminded me of, I don't know if you guys, how familiar you are with Star Wars, like, expanded lore, but I think it's in Star Wars. Those, like, space whales that kind of, like, drift through the hyperspace, like, kind of whales, I think they call them. So those space whales kind of reminded me of, of that. The expanded universe has so much stuff, so it, you, most people wouldn't know about it, but that was just, like, a minor thing. What's the expanded universe don't you mean legends oh right 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 exactly well everything's becoming canon anyway i think that like disney just wanted to like say it's not all canon until we figure out how to make it canon like narratively and so you know i mean have you guys watched the mandalorian we could probably talk about that for another two hours so back to barrage (laughs) yeah right something we don't care about as much but (laughs) The art, the thing is, like, the the artist, he's very good at, like, this manga, at this style of manga and anime. It's just very clean, even if the continuity leaves a little bit to be desired. The actual, like, visual composition is always pretty strong, even if I think the aliens are underdeveloped. I think the designs are often really cool. Mm-hmm. There's a couple shots where you just see these weird, random aliens that honestly just seem like they're in a totally different manga. <laughs> that have really interesting designs with like three mouths of like rows of teeth and shit like that. It's genuinely cool art a lot of the time. I also think that the org looks cool when it turns into a sword that becomes shakier. Yeah, I had that as a note too, where the lance was like cool because there's not a lot of like Shonen Jump protagonists that use a lance because the sword is just so overdone at this point. Yeah. I also wanted to say in terms of the art, I don't know if ironic's the right word, but it's kind of funny how the paneling and stuff has issues, but I actually found that 
the physical comedy in the series was actually pretty funny. Yeah. Like, there's some well-placed slaps, there's some, like, trips and stuff, and it was just interesting where he normally doesn't have his paneling tight enough to convey a sense of continuity, but his timing was really good. And it's actually rare to see a lot of really good physical comedy like this. Like, I think besides One Piece and Chainsaw Man really, really using their paneling to just create a sense of humor. It's true. Yeah. Even though it is a, uh, a static medium, there is such a thing as comedic timing in comics. Absolutely, there totally is. I think that that is what I mean when I talk about how, like, the character interactions are good. Those are the parts that are fun. It is the comedic timing. It honestly saves it in a lot of ways. Maybe not fully, <laughs> but it saves it in a lot of spots. I totally agree. I think this really could have had, like, a fun group of characters if just, like you said, if they'd really made use of the skeleton that he had built. Yeah. But maybe is that a good segue to actually talking about really how we would have redone the series to have turned it into something that would have really kind of kept our attention better? Yeah. So I think that an interesting theme that I feel like they touched on for maybe 10 seconds and then dipped was this idea of Astro potentially needing to learn to be more selfish as a person. That's cool. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. So here's the thing is that he is very selfless. He is self-sacrificing himself. He is hard on himself. Like, it is not fair for him to blame himself that he can't take care of, like, eight kids working a minimum wage job. As a 10-year-old himself, you know? Uh, as, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I gotta feed my kids. Like, you are a kid. Yeah, you gotta feed yourself before you can feed others. And I think as a prince, a sense of opulence, a sense that there is going to be a separation and that you can't always be selfless all the time because that makes you seem weak in a political environment that he would need to learn and say, hey, sometimes the most important person in the world to take care of is myself so I can help others. And we saw that a little bit where he's learning to like be a bit more selfish and then they just drop it to do this stupid like let's go selflessly help people in the wild shit that was so like ridiculously boring. That's a really cool thought, David, to kind of just invert because normally it's like the hero is a little bit selfish and they have to learn to be selfless. Like that's sort of their arc and a lot of stuff. So to kind of invert that in some way would be cool. So say, hey, actually sort of a way to be selfless. You got to take care of yourself if you're going to take care of other people, you know? So I think there's something cool that could have been explored there. I think that's I think that's a really good point. Talking about how what we would have changed I think I might have changed the sort of the purpose of the story too like maybe if you switched it around like alien natives or human natives and, and then there, there were colonizers and the people who were subjugated were trying to find maybe make the org actually part of the quest like don't have it be the like the power that he has like maybe he finds it at some point early on still but it's like the point was they're trying to find the org to find the power to beat back the alien invaders or the colonizers and part of the journey is finding that because it got lost long ago and, and so like there's been no rightful ruler of Industria, which is why the these aliens haven't been able to rule. Because the way that the royal family, like we said earlier on, like they didn't really seem like good guys, like the military or the, or the king or anything like that. They just were the king and, and whatever. But if, if you made it like once you found this org, like that sort of restored the prominence and brought back the royalty that had fallen because they cared about their people and were trying to fight when the colonizers came. I think it just would have been a more interesting story as kind of a traditional, like we got to go on a quest to find this Excalibur or whatever it kind of is to unite the people and bring peace back to the planet and fight off the, you know, the, the bad guys that invaded us. Yeah, obviously move past the what it did wrong section, but that's a huge point. Why are they going on this quest? They're going on it to, like, supposedly take over individual towns. If this is a worldwide problem, it sounds like you have a bunch of villages, not just the three that we run into, and you're just solving it by sending, like, a couple guys from town to town. I really don't know what they're supposed to be doing. There isn't really some end goal. Like, there isn't even like, this is the bad guy. Go beat him. It's like, yeah, there's an evil race. Yeah, it's like, oh, side note. 
Yeah. It's true, like, what you said about the king and stuff, because the town, the city that they are responsible for is a fucking nightmare. Like, it opens up with Astro being treated like shit, extorted by his dumb, awful boss. Aliens just totally take advantage of everyone there. And the people are starving on the street. And then it's just like, yeah, this is the guy in charge. We're not going to, like, talk about that around him. Right, right. It feels like the author is trying to have his cake and eat it too. Like he wants to have a situation where there's a really shitty kingdom and monarchy, but also he wants you to love the king. Yeah, it makes sense. Like the shit we're talking about, that requires effort. Yeah. To be honest, My Hero Academia is competent, but it's really not winning off of its characterization or its dialogue or plot. It's really just My Hero Academia is just something that does a lot of well-trotted things very well. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like Chainsaw Man where the dude who uh, Fujimoto is just so talented at writing, he can make every instance interesting where like, Dan, Chainsaw Man is really probably the most unconventional shonen series ever created. And it's just the writing, the humor, it's really all just a masterclass in how powerful you can make a series through writing and I just don't think he has it in him to really do like a master class level writing even when he's got things working for him like Micro Academia. There's different kinds of writers you know different kinds of stories. And that's a very good point too because the thing with this and the thing with My Hero Academia is I actually think that there is a lot of uh, great characterization and writing in My Hero Academia but it's not it's never like wow I've never seen that before that's a totally new way of doing it and I think that is also the way that his art is. This is not like a new anime art style. This is anime. This is how manga is drawn. It's very clean and it's done with a very high level of proficiency, but he's definitely the kind of guy who's better at redoing previously established things, which is, I think, why this fails so much. Because My Hero Academia is just like, yeah, I don't know, it's in a real city and there's superheroes. Yeah, this might sound weird, but I don't think anyone would ever say My Hero Academia inspired me in the same way that like maybe One Piece or Hunter Hunter or Dragon Ball Z will. Stories like those are the things that inspire those imitators like My Hero M. Whatever you want to call it, they are the Bibles of those things that everything is based off of. You know, art isn't created in a vacuum. We all have our influences, even the ones that that become defining like that. But the difference in art of any kind, whether it's music or film or, or, or manga, is you take these same influences that everyone else had, but you turn it into something that is completely distinct and unrecognizable in a good way. And it's like, where did, where did this come from? Obviously has components of all the things that we know, but it's just in a totally new variation. And and that's not this, that's not My Hero Academia. That's that's something more like what you guys are talking about. I think you should read uh, Time Paradox Ghostwriter because that's kind of what exactly what it's about. It, it's actually very good. <laughs> I think so, at least. So anyway, back to the show that we're supposed to be doing. So what I would have done here, kind of two ways to go about it. First one is you make the whole thing take place in the city and like you unveil how like, oh, there's corruption happening all over the place. Yeah, you may love the king. He might be really nice to you but damn he sure is fucking up all this stuff or maybe you get into like the intrigue and stuff like that like really focus on the things that you've already kind of established or which also would have been way better than what he decided to do there have him go off planet this is supposed to involve aliens space whales i want to see space whales in space yeah exactly <laughs> you introduce aliens and then you just have us go into generic feudal japanese villages are you fucking serious man it's like if Star Wars, if they never lo- left Tatooine. Tatooine, yeah, right, exactly. Tatooine, yeah. Why do you call it Tatooine? Fuck, how do you pronounce it? Tatooine. I thought you were doing that on purpose. It's like Star Wars if they never left Tatooine. You got it, David. I'm never going to tell anybody that you messed that up. <laughs> the magic of editing, no one will ever know I fucked that up. <laughs> yeah. 
now that we've got all our thoughts together, what it could have done different, let's take it to the miscellaneous thoughts. So I had this really like interesting insight that I don't think you guys thought about it at all. It was just there's a lot of really interesting parallels with Journey to the West. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Jordan, I don't know if you're familiar with that series. No, I'm not. So, Journey to the West, I feel like I've brought it up a couple times on this podcast <laughs> at this point. It's one of those things where, like, I've been vaguely aware of it for a long time, but I really just, I watched a plot summary, and it's one of those things where once you see it, you just start seeing it in every single manga and anime. One of the, the things about Journey to the West, you've got your main character, Son Goku, who is the Monkey King. Goku? Yeah, no, Dragon Ball started out as a straight-up remake of Journey to the West, and then Akira Toriyama at some point just said, fuck it, and then turned it into its own thing. It just gave up around the Piccolo saga. Yeah, I, I think that's about when it happened. <laughs> but yeah, so, some things about this. Prince Bulge, Astro, he dresses as a prince and wears wears a crown that kind of looks like how Son Goku's crown is shown often. The whole premise of having characters go around on a journey and just dealing with the uh, very trials and tribulations in various villages they run into, that is 100% Journey to the West. The fact that the org turns into a weapon that extends is also very much Journey to the West. If you remember from Dragon Ball, Goku has the power pole early on. Mm -hmm. The parallels are all over the place, even just the fact that he's kind of a monkey-ish, Goku-ish character, you know. No, that makes sense. I don't think I have a ton of miscellaneous thoughts. Like I said, just other things that it reminded me of, um, in terms of, you know, Prince and the Pauper, Peter Pan, uh, uh, there was some King Arthur vibes, just the worthy instrument that, you know, shows the, the one true king. Maybe there was some Don Quixote-esque stuff, very loosely, just, you know, kind of just the whole knight's errant, just like on a quest that kind of isn't really clear. They're kind of just like going around doing some whatever. So some of those elements and space whales, again, space whales are awesome. I'm just going to keep saying that. <laughs> space whales rule. Dan's going to get a space whale tattoo. That's going to be my next pet as a space whale. <laughs> In terms of the, my miscellaneous thoughts, I really liked how there seemed to be kind of like a reference to One Piece with the eyes shooting out, because that's like a very distinctively One Piece thing, where when characters get surprised, Dan, they actually get like American cartoon style where like their tongues will turn into like the snake-like formation and their eyes will shoot out. Sometimes like their eyeballs will literally like pop out of their head when they get like really surprised. And so I thought that was really funny that the series does that too, and I don't think they do that in My Hero Academia. No, My Hero Academia is much more realistic. I also think it looks really bad in this manga when it happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they make their pupils pop out, but not like their eyes, and it looked really weird. Yeah, I've never seen that before, and it doesn't look good. No. There's a reason why Oda, the creator of One Piece, took the approach he did. Yeah. Like we said, the art was great, but it was very, like, over the top and kind of goes with the pacing thing. It's like a reaction to, like, the king just saying something to him and he's like, what? Like, exploding. It's like, it, it was very weird and inconsistent. And then I also wanted to say, Jordan, I'm surprised we haven't mentioned this yet, but Astro is definitely a wholesome anime dad. Yes. I mean, he's obsessed with family and, and the concept of being in a family in a way that would even sound ridiculous out of the mouth of, like, a conservative politician. It's like, I fucking love families. It's not believable. Where is this coming from? And this is too much. Absolutely. That's why I'm saying, like, it would have been cool if you had to learn how to be selfish. I agree. Right. It would have been something kind of interesting. No, that would have been a really interesting plot point for sure. Because you're right. Like, almost immediately after Tiamat's like, Astro, look at me. If you ever have to sacrifice somebody to save yourself, you have to sacrifice them because you literally are the future of the planet. And then Astro's just like, no, I can't do that. And then it just works. 
Don't worry about it. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> now we've got our miscellaneous thoughts in order, I think. Let's shift things to our final verdict, where I think our dear listeners are probably not going to be too surprised by how we feel about this. Dan, I know you had like a really awesome way that you described all your feelings and kind of the weaknesses and strengths of this series. So why don't you lead us off with first kind of how you would describe the series in six words? And then would you give it a flop or not? And really what made you feel like the verdict you gave the series? Six words for me would be what was the point of this? (laughs) (laughs) I like it. Publisher told me recently, it's like the world doesn't need another like crappy drinking song or, or another, you know, B movie of some kind. Like there's so much art and stuff out there to consume that good stuff gets lost we, we don't there's so much that we don't need but there's always going to be room for something great and genre defining and innovative inspiring like a dragon ball z like a like a one piece like even the my hero academy or something like that yeah this didn't add anything to my life like oh that was a really fucking cool story and it just like made me you know think about things and and kind of i saw drew some parallels to my life or just saw things differently and it made me want to delve into other stuff more that didn't happen here to me that's normally what's going to happen with a great story is that it adds a frame of reference to your life and you're like oh that's something that i'm a fan of now and i'm going to try and like go deeper into there this was just like nothing redeeming about this nothing really drew me in it wasn't that long but it was still a slog to get through because it's like this is just so bad (laughs) yeah i don't think i disagreed with a single thing you said and then dan so would you consider this series a flop or not i would call it a belly flop (laughs) oh oh, certified flop as we call it in the business well that might be a new thing actually i don't know certified belly flop i'm gonna be bold enough and say if we didn't give that verdict to beast children there's probably no series that deserves to be called a belly flop see you misunderstand i think that belly flop is above certified flop dan you didn't read beast children you don't know you don't know how bad this shit can get even worse than this there's no way oh my god it's so worse so much worse than this this is so incoherent it you can get much much worse dan you do not even understand how easy this manga was to follow compared to some of the other ones we've read jesus it gets real bad and my sixth summary would be poorly thought out ideas executed competently (laughs) that's kind of funny i like that that sounds like you know how there's uh dirty deeds done dirt cheap Mm -hmm. yeah people made like parodies of that that's what that sounds like Ideas executed comment can't fit into the meter. Not a day. <laughs> oh, one day we should get Dan to read JoJo because Dan, it's a series about people who have superpowers, but all the superpowers are named after music. Oh, that's cool. Dan, you gotta read JoJo. <laughs> Like, literally, there's a bad guy whose uh, superpower is literally called D4C, or, like, a main character's is Gold Experience, or Diamond is Unbreakable, or Purple Haze. That's also confusing to me, because JoJo is a, is a, also a, a musician. Like, leave, get out, right now, the end of the <laughs> Also, David, you picked the least recognizable references you could have possibly chosen from JoJo. There's literally Steely Dan, Black Sabbath is a character. That's cool. I actually, I, I I kind of want to read this. That sounds interesting. I don't know why I picked really shitty examples. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> One of the big villains is named Dio. Oh, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> you were just like gold experience. What? Prince? Hermit Purple. That's Prince. That's got to be Prince. No, that's a tarot card, David. You picked, like, the only stand that isn't a reference to Liam. Shut up. Oh, there's Bad Company. (laughs) 
bad company rules. When they bring these to America, they have to change their names for obvious reasons. They changed bad company to worse company. Yep. <laughs> so Dan, become a, a JoJo Stan with us. Yeah. Also, I will say, I haven't given my final verdict yet. This is a flop. Here's the thing, though. This series falls into the pit of what I've brought up a few times here, especially with Hungry Joker, which was the last one we did. This series just is mediocre. Yeah. And mediocre in many ways is worse than being shitty. Because the thing is, I will never think about this again. Right. I think about Beast Children a lot. So bad. It's, it's, yeah, you can't forget it. It leaves a mark on you. This doesn't leave an impression. The most impression that I got out of this was it helps me appreciate my hero academia more. Like, it, it helps me understand this guy more as an artist, which I think is interesting. But if this was the only thing this author ever did, I just, I would never think about it ever again after this episode. Yeah. I'm actually surprised how he got three shots at making Shonen Jump Manga. So I guess someone saw some potential in him. Right. Yeah. It's probably harder nowadays. It's again like the music business, you know, all the bands that we love love listening to growing up classic rock like they probably couldn't make it in today's music industry because some of them didn't become famous until like their second or third album and like the way it is like once you're, once you're signed it's like your first two singles better go number one or you're done dan imagine a world today where somebody hears pink floyd and says you know what that belongs on the radio <laughs> Bon Jovi, like, they didn't come become famous until their second or third album. Like, they would not have continued to have those shots. It's true. Like, you read about all the things that fans have had to do just to continue to persist, not even, like, get ahead. There's a heavy metal band called Satan that I really like. I, I saw them live a couple of years ago. They started in, the, in, like, the late 70s, early 80s. They influenced Metallica. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then just went nowhere. They had to change their names a bunch of times because they were called Satan. Right. There's a country band here called Confederate Railroad, and they refuse to change their name. <laughs> oh, jeez. They're not getting much business. Yeah. That's a little different. That one is more, you shouldn't. Uh, no, no, I, I agree. I get what you mean, though. But after like 30 years, they put out the best album they ever made and started playing again. That's awesome. It rules, yeah. That's pretty awesome. Though, you know what else is awesome is how we're having a lot of fun here. Yeah, that's true. So why don't I get into my <laughs> six-word summary? Oh, yeah. Go ahead, please. Yeah, you fucking assholes don't even let me talk on my own show. Dan, just so you know, uh, <laughs> I interrupted you again. Just so you know, uh, when David says we're having a lot of fun, it means that we're going extremely off topic. Right, of course. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> it's fine. So my six word summary is I <laughs> I feel like James Mitchell would appreciate this. So shout out to James. He was a guest on the Chainsaw Man where I said, Uwu notices your Prince Bulge. Wink. <laughs> Shut up. And I had to keep resisting not making the notice your bulge joke the entire show because I knew I had made it my six word summary. Shut up, David. <laughs> and then I'm with you guys. This was a flop. So why don't we, since we all thought it was a flop, why don't we just go around and say, what should someone check out instead of reading this absolutely five out of 10 series? So Jordan. Honestly, The Mandalorian. Oh, The Mandalorian's a great, yeah, fuck, man. Why didn't I think of that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have a similar like uh futuristic kind of uh setting like the thing about star wars is that it already is kind of a futuristic version of, of feudal japan in a lot of ways like in terms of the aesthetics so yeah turning this series into like a better version of this series is where it's like a western where you follow this cool guy going from town to town just doing cool western shit which is what the mandalorian is and it's actually sci-fi futuristic and they actually go to space so yeah 
<laughs> I agree with that. Hmm. I think my recommendation, thinking about like there's there's some stories where the villain like was a good guy and he like kind of I'm kind of thinking of like Black's character arc. Star Wars, you mean? I mean, I was gonna say Star Wars, but actually <laughs> Westworld. Ooh. Westworld uh, has has some elements of this sort of journeying to find yourself and your true nature and your true identity that has a, com- a strong component here. There's obviously a lot of other differences, but I think I don't know. Yeah, I, I would definitely recommend that over this. That's Sounds good to me. And then my recommendation is, I guess, a bit of a more obscure cut where I would recommend a series that actually I picked up a few weeks ago called Agrap Voice, which is a manga in Shonen Jump. And it is about four uh, like teenagers that are like the last remnants of humanity and find a alien planet to like kind of survive on. But since they're all boys, humanity's doomed anyway. But they meet this like omnipotent alien that likes to fuck with them. <laughs> and so it just kind of really turns into like this very degenerate like space odyssey comedy manga where lord of the flies kind of thing uh no it's like weird they actually have like a way because they're trying to build like a time machine to like prevent the apocalypse from that killed all the other humans and the women yeah that's the problem too and actually the first chapter the space guy is like hey i could turn one of you guys into a woman you know and then they're like Uh... wait a second that does that doesn't work So it's just like a lot of really dumb <laughs> shit like that. Yeah, David's been posting a lot about Agrav Boys recently. I'll have to check that out. It's really, really dumb. If you enjoy the comedy of Mashal or you liked Matsuma Security, definitely it's a very similar humor. So I, so I would recommend it for people that like those kind of like really dumb Japanese manga humor. All right, so we are almost done, guys. Just a heads up, we are recording at almost midnight. We do it because we love you guys' dedication. But let's go to shoutouts. So, I want to thank Jordan for making the awesome theme song you heard at the start of this episode. I want to give props to Jennifer for the awesome cover art. Uh, she is our brand new artist. She's really killing it straight out of the park. Super awesome. We could not have asked for a better replacement for Aaliyah. You can find her on Instagram at artbytoast. And, of course, I want to thank Nigel Francis for being our generous art benefactor, making our custom art possible every single episode. I also want to thank Tucker for his pronunciation help and Miriam for helping to promote the show online. I would really like to thank David just for the amount of uh, the amount of effort he puts into the podcast. You know, I talk about like how he edits the podcast a lot, but he also does a lot involving the structure with it, and I really, I really do appreciate it. Like he really keeps this running, man. Oh, that's very nice to say. It's been a lot of fun, and then hopefully we'll have some like really big stuff coming up in the new year. So keep an eye out for that. And then of course, though, I also really want to thank you, Dan, for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Oh, it's been great, man. So Dan, is there anything on your end that you'd like to tell the audience about? Completely unrelated to uh, to manga, but um, I I am a singer songwriter in based in Nashville and uh, got some music I just put out and got a, a ton more music I'm putting out this coming year. I primarily am in the country and pop country genre and uh, got some cool stuff. If you like that music, I just think if you like good music, I think you'll like my stuff. And uh, hope uh, you guys check it out. I'm at, at Dan Harrison Music pretty much everywhere online, <laughs> except for Twitter where it's Dan Harrison Music, but you take away the A in Dan because it was one character too many for Twitter. <laughs> so fuck Twitter. And I was not about to change my website hosting and every every other handle that I had, which was exactly the same. But yeah, so you can find me all, all over the interwebs and uh, I, got, I got a lot of cool stuff. And um, thank you for having me on here. Of course. Well, thank you so much for joining us as always. It's been great having you. Yeah. I also want to give a shout out to everybody who has been liking and sharing the show. It really means a ton. It really does help us get the word out, especially writing those iTunes reviews. So yeah, that's my ask of you guys. If you're enjoying the show, just tell one friend about us or write us a review on iTunes or share us on Twitter or Facebook because that's really how we get more people and it lets us keep making this show. And then finally, though, I want to just turn it to the general shout outs. We are actually going to be a bit promo heavy. 
Hello there, guys, gals, and non-binary pals. I'm Cameron. I'm Justin. And we are... Cinema Roulette. We are a movie and TV review podcast with a gimmick. We take a bunch of movies and television shows, put them on a wheel, and let fate decide which one we'll review that week. Feel free to listen to us every Friday on whichever podcast app you choose. Except in January. January, we take a break. Hey, true crime fans. Have you ever been reading about a case and suddenly find yourself down a wormhole with no way out? Then the One Crime at a Time podcast is for you. Sit back, relax, listen, and laugh as we jump in the hole for you to bring you the stories you only thought you knew. Join us weekly as we dive in one crime at a time. Hey guys, my name is JT. What's up everyone, I'm Darren. Hey, what's up guys, I'm Josh. Hey guys, I'm Christian. What's up y'all, this is Dominic and we're the East Coast Avengers. We're a group of five friends who get together weekly and talk about everything that's going on in the nerd universe. Whether you're a fan of Marvel, DC, Star Wars, video games, comics, or anything else nerdy that you can think of, we're the podcast for you. You can find us on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or whatever streaming platform you use to listen to your favorite podcasts. I do want to also give a shout out to the Grand Rapidians Play Video Games. It's hosted by Video Game World Record Holders, which is pretty cool. Lots of great guests. They review beverages, assign real life experience, describe games they've played, and recommend other podcasts. And you can find them on Twitter at, at Rand Video. And then Jordan, did you have anything you wanted to talk about? No. Perfect. Just the way I like it. <laughs> Thank you all so much for joining us today. You can find Shonen Flop on Facebook and Twitter at Shonen Flopcast and our website ShonenFlop.com. We're also on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever else you get podcasts. This has been David. This has been Jordan. This has been Dan. And you've been listening to Shonen Flop. Keep on flopping floppers. I like that. (laughs) Like a radio DJ from the 70s.